Welcome to On the Line, a podcast for tennis players, coaches, and fans. I'm your host, Jenny Robb. Today on the line, we have Niba Ncha, graduate assistant for Sanford University women's tennis team and teaching professional at Vestavia Country Club. Uh, Niba, thank you so much for being on the line today. Thank you for having me. Um, so uh, can you tell us a little bit about your tennis journey? Sure. So I started playing tennis in Benin, which is a, a small country, French-speaking country in West Africa. I started uh, when I was about seven or eight after I fell out of volleyball. Tried wasn't good enough. Uh, and my mom kind of kept me up because it was me and my friends, and it was kind of our weekly routine, a little bit of tennis, a little bit of piano, and slowly but surely I fell in love with it. I figured out that I could actually be decent at it. And when I was 12, I played my first international tournament, which was in Nigeria at the time. It was in ITF grade four. I kind of opened my eyes to how big the tennis world was, and it really kind of excited me. So after that, I played the African Junior Championship in Egypt under 12. And from there, I had exposure to the ITF and the center. Um, so I got an invitation to the ITF center for about four or five years. And after graduating high school, I moved to Florida. I attended Club Med Academies, which is a great place, for a few months. And after that, I began my college career at Stanford University. Wow, that's fantastic. And while at Samford, um, you were the 2015 um, Southern Conference Player of the Year, correct? Yes, I was. Yeah, congratulations. That is a big honor. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> so how, how exciting to be able to travel and play tennis. Uh, I mean, this sounds pretty amazing. You know, it sounds glamorous, but is it as glamorous as it sounds? Well, really... During my junior career, which was, it was a lot going on, you know, it was kind of juggling high school and um, classes and, I mean, me going to high school, we didn't have the, we didn't have school online or anything like that, so I didn't really get caught up with school unless I was at school and I was missing so much. That was kind of the, car, the hard part, but definitely traveling for all the tournaments and getting to meet so many people uh, and, well, getting beat by different people wasn't fun, but <laughs> playing all those tournaments and being around different nationalities, different cultures, different tennis styles. That was definitely super fun. Oh, that sounds, that sounds fun. <laughs> um, do you have a, a favorite tennis memory? Um, I have so many, uh, but it was probably in, in a few years um, in college, but probably my um it was, we played Eastern Tennessee State, and we won 4-3, uh, which after that we went on to win the regular season and the championship. But it was it was quite a memory because I had everyone fight. Uh, I was a senior. We had two other seniors who did the absolute most. Our freshman at the time, she pulled out a great match. It was just a very good, feisty, high-energy, positive day. Ah, that sounds like a great memory. <laughs> um, <laughs> So what would you consider your, your proudest achievement? Huh. Um, that, I never really got to think about it because I took every experience um, as a difference, as, as a plus, I'm going to say, I guess. I never kind of compared all experiences together, so I never picked one to take as my proudest achievement. But 
Oh, I think it was when I was 12, I played two girls in my country who were the best players and I have not beat them in three years. And in one day I beat both of them. And I think that was the biggest thing I've done. That's, that's, that's <laughs> awesome. <laughs> very Thanks. cool. Now, very cool. Now you, um, you graduated with a major in psychology and undergrad and are currently pursuing your master's of public health. Is that right? Absolutely. Fantastic. So, so a lot, a lot more achievements to come, I'm sure. <laughs> um, now, did you have any uh, superstitions or or special rituals when you were a player? Well, not really by choice. Um, when I was younger, in my teenage years, I was diagnosed with uh, obsessive compulsive disorder. So it, it pushed me to to count a lot, to count all my steps and how many times I bounced the ball. So. Not really anything with winning or not winning, but it was kind of there all the time, which now it's past because I'm not playing as much anymore, but <laughs> it, it was it was there. I followed a, a few numbers with steps and not, I'm pretty sure every single tennis player does that. When we play, we don't step on the lines. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. Yeah. <laughs> um, now you do still compete and, and train though. Well, I I do compete. I play a lot of U, UTR events here and there, I, a few money prizes a few prize money tournaments. It is kind of hard for me to get into the WTA right now just because I haven't played any in so long and it's very competitive here. So I'm planning on going back home for a little bit and competing there, gathering a few points and then coming back. Oh, that's great. So those will be my, my goals eventually in a couple of years. <laughs> okay. No, that's excellent. Um, so as you've been um, coaching um, Sanford's women's team and then also coaching at Vestavia Country Club, um, how would you describe your coaching style? I, I definitely like to coach um, in a personalized way, according to every individual player. Tennis is quite an individualistic sport, and even though sometimes we do compete as a team and share some similarities with other players, it's still not quite as um, as blended. So. I like to really personalize my practices depending on the style. And even though I have a few players, for example, who are more a little bit more passive and more uh, would like to kind of stay back and rely on the other person's mistakes and things like that. So I, I think it is, it is essential to teach them different styles so that they, they perhaps as they're growing and as they're learning, they, they may incorporate different things. So I think I'm a little bit of a... Uh, like a general surgeon of tennis. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that, that sounds like athlete-centered coaching to me, which I'm a um, hugely in favor of. Um, that you don't, you know, there's not just one way to teach every student. You know, each athlete is different, and so to center your coaching around the athlete is, I think, um, the the way to go. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, is there something that you do in every practice? Uh, a warm-up, for sure. Uh, never skip in the warm-up. And something I do in every practice is ask the player, what what did they think? Because I think it's essential for the coach to know exactly where the player stands. Whether they are not feeling confident about a shot, whether they, they feel like they may need to work on, on something different. I, I cannot monopolize a practice just in my favor and make them do whatever I think they should be doing. I think it's a, it needs to be communicative. It needs to be a cooperation and mostly a collaboration. I, 
I bring my skills to the table, and I also would like to know where you're standing, how you're feeling today, how were you feeling last week, and what changed, how you're looking at your game, because I think we evolve as we play. So we can't just go one way and just never look back. Uh, I love that answer. I mean, I, I agree 100%, you know, that as, as coaches we – um, we have to communicate, and it has to be a two-way communication between the coach and the player. It's not just the coach always telling the player what to think, but, you know, we sort of guide them and how to think and asking questions, like you said, you know, asking questions so that they have to think about their own game is uh, is a major part, that's for sure. <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. <laughs> um, so along those lines, what qualities um, make a great coach? I think openness, openness and discipline will be probably my top two. Um, you have to be open to new ideas. The game has changed tremendously in the past 25 years, and if there is an, an openness and a adaptability to to what is going on, then I think that will start that that will kind of um, hinder your coaching abilities as well. And really, definitely discipline. You have to. Show respect for what you're doing and respect for those around you. And I think that really goes a long way, perhaps more than what we'd like to think. Oh, definitely. Um, so along those lines, it, it sounds like you've had some great coaching along the way in your journey. Um, who do you consider mentors? I had, uh, when I was in the ITF, I had a coach named Clement Gore. He's from Ivory Coast, and he played on tour uh, he trained actually at IMG as well, and he's good buddies with Andrew Agassi that I remember. And he he really carried me through my junior career. Um, he was my full-time coach, and he traveled with me to tournaments. He really kind of allowed me to look at tennis as more than just a sport. He helped me look at it as, as, as a lifestyle and how it will, it will mold me as a human. Um, and he, I mean, he really helped me out into, in during very difficult moments where I was losing back to back. And but he was also there when I was winning back to back. So he was, he was a very good person in my life. Oh, that is so great! You know, for for people out there listening, you know, if you can find a coach that you know coaches beyond the court, sort of what you're saying, you know, it wasn't just about forehands and backhands or what tournament you're playing this weekend, but but really helping you be a better human being. I mean, if you can get that right mix, then uh, hang on to that coach, right? <laughs> Absolutely. Oh, yes. Don't let him go. <laughs> um, how do you feel about uh, continuing education? I love school, which is something I don't hear a lot of people saying. Uh, <laughs> I, I love learning. Um, my friends do tell me that I'm a little insane with that, and I, I am always <laughs> – looking for new programs I'm always listening to different podcasts and listening to different documentaries for example I always have BBC news on in my car which is very different from mm -hmm. a lot of people but um, <laughs> I if I could go to school and learn new things for the rest of my life I probably would oh, I, I completely agree I have been uh, uh, called the workshop lady before and I, <laughs> I, I, I wear that as a badge of honor I'm, I'm happy to be the workshop lady I, I also love learning <laughs> um, <laughs> so I, I agree um, yeah. if you could choose uh, any doubles partner in the world uh, you know, women's doubles mixed doubles who would you choose wow <laughs> I think uh, that's quite a tough question it's gonna hurt a lot of feelings uh, but <laughs> I've, I've 
always thought I'd love to play doubles with Roger Federer, but I think I'll spend too much time watching him and not really playing, so that's not an option. Um, <laughs> there is, and with Serena, I think it's just going to be too intense for me. I won't be able to handle it. Uh, but, so I think it's going to be Ivan Molina. Ah. He, he, uh, he actually, I had the honor of being one of his students on tour in North Africa in 2011 or 10, I'd like to say. And, I mean, this man does not miss a ball, and he has an, a, such a clear vision of the game. I, I think that is definitely who I would want to play doubles with. Oh, that's a great answer. Wow, that's awesome. Um, I, I think I would have the same uh, issue if I played with Federer. I'd just stand there. Not that he would need my yeah. help anyway. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, what? I mean, I can pick up balls if that's needed. <laughs> um what what advice would you give to young players starting out that today um take it slow um don't 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 overdo it don't overthink it 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 is good to have short-term and long-term goals but when we kind of overdo something or overthink it usually it's it just usually plays against us. Um, I love tennis at the beginning because it was something I was doing three, four times a week, and I was doing it with my friends, and I was playing tournaments and looking at the next tournament that I could play. I was enjoying it. But then there came a point where I was doing it seven days a week, four or five hours a day, and that really kind of ate me alive pretty much. I started hating it, and that was not a, a, a very good period. So if you're just picking up tennis, don't don't set your expectations super high. Don't push yourself to the limit where you know you'll break just take it slow and enjoy it that's very important I love that answer um I I recently was having a conversation with um, my friend Frank Giampaolo and um, we were talking about this exact thing um because our society is so um centered around instant gratification you have a question you look it up on your phone you know you want to buy something, you order it on Amazon Prime. You get it either that day or the next day. Or you know, It's like you want something, you immediately have it. And tennis is um, not like that. <laughs> and yep, so I yep. think, um, you know, I think it's, it's so often people expect to just have immediate success or immediate results, and, and that's just not the way it works. <laughs> yeah, it's really not realistic. It's a process. It is definitely a process, yes. Um now, do you um, have a favorite place that you love to play tennis or a favorite place to travel for tennis? For tennis? There's so many places I have not be- been that I, I have no idea. Every place I played tennis, I was great. Um, however, I do remember I played a tournament and when I was 16. I played in Kenya, and we had holes on the court. Uh, we had the lines were not straight, so you could really kind of make up your own line. That was not my favorite <laughs> tournament. It was on clay. Definitely not my favorite tournament. But um, I remember playing in a club in Rwanda, in Kigali. And it was it was my favorite place to play just because of the scenery around it. There, it's, it's right in between mountains. And the mountains were green because it was in November. They were super green, and it, it was it was a very good. What, the weather was not too hot, not too cold, not too humid. It was just perfect. There was just enough wind to make you feel great. It was, I think the conditions made it great, um, and that was very important for me at the time. Oh, that sounds pretty amazing. Um, oh, it was beautiful. So, 
what do you what do you like to do when you're uh, not playing tennis or training or coaching or studying? <laughs> well, sleeping for one. <laughs> yes. That I don't do very often. Um, <laughs> but I like to read. I like to read. Um, my goal right now is to read 50 pages in a row without falling asleep. But those two in combination are pretty. I'm at top two for sure. Okay, <laughs> that's great. Um, so, so, what do you have a favorite book, or what are you reading right now? I'm reading Lost Symbol by Dan Brown. He's one of my favorite authors for sure. I've read that. Really, yeah. yeah, his his writing style is quite very interesting. I like his outlook and perspective on things, and it it does make you think. So, I I kind of like book. I I really do like books like that. Yeah, yeah, he did Da Vinci Code and uh, yes. a few of the yeah, yeah, and um, I've I've seen those movies too. I've I've read all his stuff. It's it's fun. That's fun stuff to read. Um, oh, yeah, well, his books obviously are much better than the movies. No, yeah. <laughs> no, of course. And who is in the movies? <laughs> <laughs> um, do you have a favorite book? Uh, no, no, not really. I don't think so. That's a tough question. Yeah. <laughs> Especially when you yeah, like to read, it's hard to it's hard to pick one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I don't want to hurt the other book's feelings. Uh. <laughs> um, so we, we talked about the advice that, that you would give to young players now and I love that you said to take it slow. If you could, you know, we see these sort of athletes now going back and you know, what would you say to the younger you? So what would you say to a a younger Neba? Well, a lot of things, but um, I wouldn't tell her to do anything different, but to enjoy every moment a little bit longer. Because I think with every decision that I've made, I, I didn't make any decision so drastically bad that it kind of affected my life in the long run in the negative way. But definitely to enjoy all those moments a little bit longer, a little bit more, and spend more time with those people that I care about and all that. Because now, I mean, I'll scroll through Facebook and see these pictures from seven, eight years ago, and, and I catch myself tearing up a little bit because those were such great memories. And it was thanks to tennis because I got to travel and meet those people and play against those people and play with those people. So those moments, probably just enjoy them a little bit more because, honestly, it's crazy how time flies. I, I, again, completely agree. I mean, to enjoy it and not get kind of bogged down with, with all the, the other things is just um, – that would be a beautiful place to be. So I think that's great advice. <laughs> oh, yes. Do not rush life. <laughs> that's exactly right. Now, we are, I'm so excited because I get to work with you this weekend, and I'm really Yay! looking forward to that. <laughs> and um, so you uh, spoke earlier about how you moved to Florida. Um, and so Scott Del Mastro is coming to Birmingham, um, and we are going to do some some clinics this weekend and so thank you so much for for kind of making that connection and this is going to be a really uh really cool thing this weekend I'm really looking forward to it so what uh what do you want to uh, tell us about Scott and your experience um uh, there at the Club Med Academies and and about this weekend well my time at Club Med obviously was amazing uh which is why I still talk about it all the time I I love I was there in 2011 about five six months and it was it was just I mean I got to meet such good people and learn especially from them I mean so much knowledge 
Um, Scott actually uh, is a co-director there with Gabe Jaramillo, and both of them, are, they're always on court and, you know, helping us out. It's not – I mean, I know few academies where, you know, you, you never really see the person in charge, and it's always counselors and, like, all the coaches kind of take care of you and then bounce you from court to court. But it was, it was just very – it was very personalized, and I think that's where I kind of got my idea of personalized practice and how I would coach people, and it was really thanks to them. They, they were always then kind of getting to know us individually, on an individual level. When I was there, there was about 60, 70 of us, so that's a little hard to kind of get to know everyone by first and last name and their game style and how they move and all of that. It, it's hard, but they somehow figured out a way to do it. And I felt, I felt very confident, I felt very comfortable, and it was a very open for discussion environment. You know, we did drills, but I could always ask, oh, hey, uh, what if I did that way, and what do you think of, like, how I'm doing this? It, it, the, the coaches were very welcoming, you know, they were they were very warm um, to all the athletes, and actually, last October, I was in vacation down in Vero, and I was like, I have to go to Fort St. Lucie and say hello again, so I did, and honestly, that was very, very good choice. Um, it was just very glad to see Scott. I'm really glad we reconnected again and that he gets to come here this weekend and yeah. share all, all his knowledge and just positive energy with us. <laughs> yes, and, and you mentioned that he really um, kind of delves into a lot of the mental and emotional side, so I'm really looking forward to hearing, hearing him speak to that. Um, was that something that he worked on with you? Oh, yes. I was a mess, uh, to put it lightly. I, I was the kind of player that, you know, threw rackets across the fence and <laughs> would punch an alligator from frustration. It, it was, it was yes. Yeah, because there's a little lake right behind, uh, a little lake right behind uh, Club Med, and we, we always thought there were, like, multiple alligators in there. But, yeah, I was, I was that kid, and really being there has taught me how to manage my nerves, how to calm down, and how to understand why it is that I'm upset and what do I do about it. And how do I go about expressing my emotions? So that really was beneficial, especially for me, because, wow, I was scared of who I was. <laughs> I think I played scared most of the time. Um, <laughs> uh, did, did you – I think I still do. <laughs> maybe, maybe I need to set up some, a session. But um, Now, did you uh, keep a, a journal or did, was journaling part of your experience there? It was, um, it was a little bit, but it was never so much about um, the fundamentals of tennis or anything like that, which I wish I did. Um, but it was mostly about my emotional state and how I dealt with managing all of that negative energy that I had so much of for whatever reason. Um, and so I actually read um, read my journal last fall when I came back from Fort St. Lucie, where Club Med is, and it's just so interesting how. Well, it's been almost 10 years now how I changed from then to now. And so. do you see some of those same emotions and feelings in, in the players that you're coaching now, whether it's a college player or a junior player at the country club? Or do you see kind of these little pictures of yourself? I, I do. You know, that's you know that's actually something that's very interesting. Uh, across all the ages, which the youngest dad coaches two and a half, which I think is adorable. Oh, gosh. Um, <laughs> It is the cutest little human, um, but I actually see some of those emotional um, issues. I, I, I really don't want to say issues. All of these 
emotional expressions uh, mm -hmm. with very young kids, about six, six and seven years, and college players. But in the middle, not so much. So I think that's quite an interesting thing uh, among those that I teach. But That is interesting. But yeah, yeah, there's a little gap there. Do you think it relates to, you know, initial maybe feelings of perfectionism or expectations or, you know, gosh, I don't know, it could be anything. And then maybe once a kid gets to maybe middle school or high school, they've sort of settled into, you know, you know, kids always have sort of the pecking order. They kind of know I can beat that kid. I can't beat that kid. And they kind of find a little happy place to be unless they're really trying to go for it. And then that's a whole separate track. If you're trying to go to college or you're trying to, you know, go beyond and, you know, so then maybe some of those, you know, more intense feelings or, or expectations kind of crop back up again. I, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, I know, well, the little kids for one, they're very perfectionists. They want to do things amazingly well. Some, yeah. I mean, some of them do, and some of them, honestly, not really. But, yeah. <laughs> right. uh, so I think that definitely plays, plays a role. You know, they get a little frustrated and they start stomping around and throwing a little tantrum when they miss two balls in a row, which I'm like, hey, it's okay. We still have like 50 balls to feed. You'll get it. <laughs> um, and then you have those in college where, I understand that frustration because I was there and it feels like something you've been working on for 10, 15 years and you still can't get it right, you know, or either you do but not consistently. So that can be a, that definitely can be a frustration. But now with the experience that I've had after playing and coaching now, I see how I could have fixed those mistakes. So I think there's also a little gap perhaps in college coaching where coaches usually settle for, well, they've played in juniors and they've had the coaching necessary. Therefore, all I have to do is just supervise them during matches. You know, so it's more of a manager role mm -hmm. um, that coaches often play in college rather than an actual coaching job. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, so that might also contribute to the little frustration that college players may feel. Now, um, you can coach on the court um, at Sanford, right, during matches? Yeah. Is that right? Okay, I yeah. thought that was still true. So, I, I mean, I let you know I played at Sanford as well. Go Bulldogs. Um, <laughs> and um, I, uh, I loved having coaching on the court. Um, you know, I loved being able to sit down and have a coach sitting there. And it, it might just be a look. It might not even be a word or a sentence, but just a look that could either <laughs> – kind of say what in the world are you doing or no come on you, you can you can do this let's get this together um I, I just I love the whole college atmosphere I love the team atmosphere I love on the court coaching um I mean how do you feel about that uh I mean I love being there for players for sure I love well actually um a funny story we were playing for the regular season title this um two weekends ago against Furman at Furman uh, in South Carolina and our number one player she lost the first set and she got a little upset and she just stormed off the bench and smacked her racket on the on her tennis bag and was just very angry and I came and I sat on her bench and I was like what's wrong and she goes well I'm, I'm angry I just lost the first set can I be angry and she had 35 more seconds before getting back on court and I was like yeah yeah that's fine but you have 35 seconds and then you let it go and she looked at me all all, all startled and she was like fine <laughs> and then just turned off on court and then I was like that's it you're out of time now to be angry and then she just moved on one second and just 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 played great afterwards so I kind of I like my position on court yeah good job like coach <laughs> thank you <laughs> I like it more so from a 
trying to understand where they are because in the middle of the match, that's not where I'm going to fix your forehand. That's not where I'm going to tell you to swing harder. You know how to do those things, but it's more, how do I help you be positive and stay positive and work your way through it? Right, right. That's, again, so, so important. So we, we spoke earlier um, about your, your mentor, but is there someone that you consider a hero in the tennis world? Oh, I don't, hmm. I don't know for sure. I think, you know, growing up where I grew up and I saw like in Benin, let's say, and where we start playing with no shoes on and we start playing with pieces of wood for rackets and little kind of balls made out of, uh, we had little fishnets and we put leaves in there. Wow. Tree leaves actually. Yeah. Wow. So I think all of those African players who started off with nothing and now I on the world scene. You know, those are all my heroes because I don't think I was or am. Sorry, I'm a little out of breath. I don't know. If, I'm not sure why. But, <laughs> okay. um, but all of those African tennis players who did so much and got so far with so little, those are definitely my heroes because I cannot, I cannot begin to explain just how hard it was to, to start off tennis, you know, especially in the world where athletics are not very valued in Africa. You know, education is, and um, we have four jobs that all parents want you to be, which is engineer, doctor, lawyer, or, well, well disgrace to the family, you know? <laughs> so, <laughs> wow. Uh, so, yeah, so athletics are not really a big thing. So, really, I, I totally admire all my African brothers and sisters who are doing so much with sports, and especially with tennis. Uh, so, all of those. That's Hundreds a, of those. That is that is a beautiful answer. Thank you so much for that, and and thank you so much for your time. I know that you're you're getting ready to go go coach this afternoon, and so I, I just want to say a huge thank you to you, and I hope you have a wonderful afternoon, and and your your students are all uh, lucky to have you as a coach. Thank you, Neva. Oh, thank you so so much for having me. It is a beautiful day outside. Yes, it's a shame yes, not it to is. be on a tennis court. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm in the office. I'm, I'm hoping to get out there soon myself. So, oh, yes, and, um, you should. Just yeah. get a walk. <laughs> oh, and I will see you this weekend. I'm so looking forward to working with you. Yes, me too. So excited. Thank <laughs> All you. All right, thanks so much. Okay, okay, bye. Bye.